Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Podcast on the Brink, your weekly dose of Indiana basketball news and discussion. Brought to you by the Assembly Call and Inside the Hall. I'm your host, Jared Morris. Join me live at assemblycall.com every Thursday night and immediately following every IU game for our live IU postgame show. And visit insidethehall.com for complete coverage of IU basketball and to join the discussion in the Inside the Hall premium forum. Hey, just a couple quick notes here before we get to this episode of the matchup. Uh, number one, apologize for my voice, fighting a bit of a cold, so that's why I sound a little bit different. I uh, also want to just let you know that the audio you're about to hear uh, with Ben and Seth previewing IU Duke, it's not great, it's not ideal. Ben and Seth both home over the Thanksgiving weekend, so they didn't have their normal microphones and equipment. So this doesn't sound as good as it normally does, but their analysis is good. We thought it was useful, so we're going to play it, let you listen to it, but just know, again, it's not the greatest audio. So just kind of know that going into it. But anyway, uh, without further ado, here is this week's episode of The Matchup. Alex and I will be back later this week, probably Wednesday, with your weekly, uh, regularly scheduled podcast on the Brink episode talking about IU Duke. Uh, But before the game, here is some insight from Ben and Seth to get you ready for Tuesday night. Here we go. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Matchup. I'm Ben Ladner, joined by Seth Tao. Over the phone, we are not under ideal podcast circumstances uh, this evening. We're recording this around 845 on Sunday night, a couple days before Indiana takes on Duke. Seth is joining us over the phone. Uh, The audio quality, as you will hear when he speaks, is not as it normally is, but uh, we're going to make it work, and I think things are coming through all right. The show must go on. Yeah, so hopefully... uh, Hopefully we can we can brave these minor tef- technical difficulties um, and still give a, a good substantive preview of what's to come uh, against Duke as Indiana travels to Cameron Indoor Stadium in Durham on Tuesday. And, you know, safe to say that this is the biggest matchup for Indiana all season long, uh, at least to date and possibly for the entire season. Marquette and Arkansas, good as they may be, don't quite measure up to uh, the Duke Blue Devils especially this year's version of the Duke Blue Devils, who, despite losing to Gonzaga a couple days ago, remain one of the, the best and most talented teams in America and, and a viable threat to win the championship this year. Right. Duke is the closest thing college basketball has to a super team this year with three t- top recruits in R.J. Barrett, Zion Williamson, and uh, Cam Reddish. And it's especially scary for Indiana knowing that 
it, Duke basically had a week to prepare for this coming off of that Gonzaga loss. They did. Yeah. Indiana had the UC Davis game on Friday before the Duke game, but after Duke lost to Gonzaga, their next opponent is Indiana. Yeah, so I think I think the obvious place to start here is just maybe defensive matchups, just kind of going through and looking at who on Indiana might guard those big three of Duke, like you mentioned. So Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, and Cam Reddish being kind of their three stars. I think the place to start is with Zion Williamson, and I would imagine that Juwan Morgan gets the assignment there, at least from the jump. But I could also see Justin Smith taking on that matchup. Yeah, interesting, because I, when I was going through this, I put uh, Justin Smith on him, yeah. figuring that Morgan may draw the Marcus Bolden assignment. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think, I think that's a good point. And I also, we talked about this when we did kind of our, our full season preview, just about Juwan Morgan is maybe Indiana's most important offensive player, and so do you really want to put him on Zion Williamson, who's going to take a lot out of him defensively, when you have Justin Smith, who... I mean, there, there are very few people, if anyone, who can match Zion Williamson's athletic combination of fluidity and explosiveness, but Justin Smith comes pretty dang close, uh, at least, you know, as, as far as a college player goes. So I, I actually think that is a fairly natural matchup, and the more I think about it, the more sense it makes that Justin Smith be the guy that takes on that assignment, just because he's big, he's, you know, 6'7", 230, which, granted, is not as big as Zion Williamson, who is 6'7", 285. But, you know, kind of equivalent explosiveness and, and at least vertical explosiveness. And I think Justin Smith is probably a little bit better athlete than Jawan Morgan. And again, not a guy you're asking to do a whole lot on the offensive end. So he, so he can uh, afford to expend more energy on defense while you can let Jawan Morgan take on Marquise Bolden, who is a decent player in his own right, but definitely not quite the caliber of a Zion Williamson. Right, and I mean, even just size-wise, matching up Smith and Williamson, I mean, Smith is probably the best choice there given the way that Williamson can get just flat out get up yeah Smith is the is Smith is really Indiana's only match for him in that sense and just a with his vertical with his Justin Smith's insane vertical but also just his his arm length and his his calf strength yeah and, and also the upper body strength I think is important right. because Duke might feel and and rightfully might feel like that with Zion Williamson they have an advantage in the post against pretty much anyone that they play because he's just so big, he's so powerful, and so it's you know Jawan Morgan's a strong dude, but I don't think he's quite as um, as as cut or as muscular as Justin Smith. Now, Smith I think at times has struggled uh, playing with physicality, or at least the kind of physicality that you would expect from someone with his physical gifts. So that's going to be a challenge for him, I think, just you know mentally and physically preparing himself to to kind of um, bang inside and really take that beating and that bruising is something that he's not always welcomed in his career. So that's going to be something that he's going to be asked to do a lot in this game. And, you know, it's worth wondering whether he can really sustain that for an entire game, be it 30 minutes, 35, or, you know, high 20s minutes over the course of a full game. Right, yeah, that's kind of an area that when we looked at Justin Smith heading into the season, that's kind of an area that people were kind of hoping he would take a step forward in, just being a little more willing to be more physical and more aggressive inside uh, that in addition to developing the outside shot. But for this matchup, obviously we're talking about him just being aggressive on defense and playing physical. And we haven't, and granted in fairness, we haven't, he hasn't really faced the type of matchup that would necessitate him to do that yet. But 
so this will be a good test to see if he's really going to take a step forward this year in that respect. Yeah, and we saw him get benched in that Arkansas game in the second half because I, you know, we never got like a, a full explanation as to why that was, but it it was apparently because you know Archie Miller just felt like he he wasn't really bringing it physically and, and was playing a little bit soft, um, and so at least that that's how it appeared to me. So yeah, this is this is definitely going to be a physical challenge for Justin Smith. He's usually the most athletic guy on the floor by a long shot, and on, in this game he's. He's going up against the most athletic player in college basketball. So um, that's going to be a, a really unique challenge for him. And just worth noting, Zion Williamson's numbers this season, averaging just under 21 points and 10 rebounds with over two assists per game on 67.7 true shooting percentage, uh, which which takes into account threes and free throws and kind of combines it into one uh, efficiency metric. So he's, he's just absolutely dominating. He He's scoring in a variety of ways. Yeah. He's getting to the basket. He's catching lobs. He's getting out in transition, getting to the free throw line, making free throws. He's just doing everything for this Duke team. Yeah, a couple other stats I have on him. He's 10th in the country in offensive rebounds per game. So that's just Justin Smith is going to have to really work hard on the defensive glass because Williamson can really have an impact there. He's averaging over four offensive rebounds per game. That's just offensive rebounds yeah. per game. There are players that don't even average four rebounds a game. <laughs> And he's he's fourth in the country, like fourth in the country in efficiency rating. Yeah, which you know he's he's a really really tough player to defend. Yeah, and not only will it be incumbent upon Justin Smith and Jawan Morgan and Deron Davis when he's in the game to to keep him off the boards, but I think also Indiana's guards are really going to have to help out in that respect. Where you're, you're probably going to need to put multiple bodies on him to keep him off the glass at times, and you're really going to need all five guys to go to the boards. Uh, you know, I think Indiana wants to get out in transition. They want to play fast. They want those easy scoring opportunities. But if it comes at the cost of giving up a million offensive rebounds to a really athletic team, I don't think that's a, a deal or you know a gamble that they're willing to take. So I think I think you're going to see a lot of Indiana just sending all five guys to the defensive glass on every possession, just making sure that Duke can't get those extra opportunities because. You know, Zion Williamson and, and Cam Reddish, who we'll talk about in a little bit. But this whole team, really, I mean, they've got the guys who can beat you and, and who can do it efficiently. So if you give them extra possessions, you know, whether it be three, four, five, six offensive rebounds per game, that's a lot of potential points that you're leaving on the table. And against a team like Duke, you can't really afford to play with that kind of deficit. Yeah, right. And not, not to mention the fact that Duke just, Duke has kind of looked Michigan-esque so far this season and how they don't really turn the ball over. Yeah. They're only averaging like 10 turnovers a game. So when you combine that with the number of offensive rebounds they're able to get, I mean, that's just a lot of extra possessions. And I think that also ties in with what I kind of touched on earlier about Indiana wanting to play in transition. You know, so much of their defense and and really in turn their offense is predicated on forcing turnovers, you know, getting a steal around midcourt and just getting easy buckets in transition. And if you're playing a team that doesn't turn the ball over very often, obviously that's going to cut down on your opportunities to do that. And so it, that, that's a good that's a good note that you make because to see that out of such a young team where you know the four guys who are handling the ball for Duke the most are freshmen, and for them to only turn the ball over ten times a game is is extremely impressive for such a young bunch. So unless you've got another another note you want to make on Zion or just their front court in general, uh, this might be a good time to move into the kind of the, the wing depth that Duke has. Yeah. So I think it starts really with RJ Barrett, who, you know, despite averaging 22.8 points per game, has not really been his full self this year. You know, he's 
He's leading the team in usage percentage. He's taking up a lot of possessions, you know, almost at a, a Russell Westbrook or James Harden level. Uh, 35. And I think you really saw that in the Gonzaga game yeah. as they went down the stretch. Yeah, he, I mean, he is he's eating up possessions. And, and look, he's their best player, I, I think, right now, um, you know, given high school careers and just kind of taking the entire, uh, you know, career of the player into account. He's probably their best player at this point. So he's earned the right a little bit to kind of be that guy, but it it has not borne itself out in the efficiency. His true shooting percentage is under 50, which is awful. His effective field goal percentage is under 46, which is means he's getting less than one point per field goal attempt, uh, which, you know, again, is not great, especially when compared to Zion Williamson and Cam Reddish. So when you have a guy that's using that many possessions, you know, maybe Indiana just hopes that he stays cold. But when you have a guy that's using that many possessions and is not being efficient, if you kind of if you add that up, you know those missed opportunities, those empty possessions, you add that up over the course of a game, and that can be an area where if he has another off night against Indiana, could be an avenue to success for the Hoosiers. Right, and as you start to look defensively at who Indiana is going to stick on him, it's so unclear who the who the right choice yeah. is here. With you, you know, because this, you you know, with, if you stick Juwan Morgan on him, then you're given you're probably giving up some size against Bolden inside. Oh, yeah. And then, and to be honest, I think Indiana desperately needs Zach McRoberts back on Tuesday for this matchup. I was going to say that. We, we don't know if he's going to play yet. And, yeah, I mean, to me, he's he's an absolutely vital piece because, you know, Al Durham has played really well in McRoberts' absence. He's been a really nice addition to the starting lineup. But R.J. Barrett is 6'7", and powerful and strong and quick and... And and then there's Cam Reddish to deal with. And so they've got so much size on the wing that even if Al Durham plays his tail off on defense and, and is executing and contesting shots, he just doesn't really have the size to guard either of those guys. And so then you put Romeo Langford on one of them and the other one, either Reddish or or um, Barrett, is just going to be left to, to feast on a smaller player. And so that's obviously not ideal for Indiana. And neither McRoberts nor uh, Romeo Langford is really big enough to guard either of those guys, but they can at least give them a good look and kind of bother them and make their shots difficult. Whereas I think if you don't have Zach McRoberts, you're sticking a guard on RJ Barrett, and, and that's just not going to work out well. Right. I mean, it almost begs the question, would India, even as well as Durham has played since he's entered the starting lineup, might they be better off sticking Evan Fitzner in the in the in, in that lineup just to kind of yeah like spread out the, the size a little bit more? Yeah, they could even try Deron Davis maybe and and let him match up with Marquise Bolden, and then you kind of just slide everyone down a position and you know let either Justin Smith or Jawan Morgan guard someone on the wing. Um, but then you get right, into that's, the, that's if Davis is up to playing the, those minutes, right? But then you get into the problem where maybe Jawan Morgan isn't quick enough to stay with Cam Reddish off the dribble. Um, and, you know, you get into switching and, you know, you just have a, a speed disadvantage rather than a size disadvantage. So there's really no great answer. I, I think all of this is to say that Duke is an, a really difficult team to match up with. Um, but I, I do think Zach McRoberts would help Indiana a lot. And I might even go so far as to say that Indiana probably can't win this game unless Zach McRoberts plays and, and plays well and is able to give them like real minutes rather than just being kind of a shell of himself out there. And again, we don't know what his status is right now. We don't know how he's feeling. He had that back injury that kept him out. My my instinct is that he would play only because it doesn't seem like it's a super severe back injury. And and we, we probably... He did, he did dress and warm up 
against UC Davis yeah. didn't play. So that at least suggests he's heading in the right direction. And just given how important he is in this matchup, I, I agree with you that I think if he's able to play, I think they're going to try and play, run him out there. Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, and so, I, you know, you'd figure that Romeo Langford would probably guard Cam Reddish, uh, and who's a guy that, you know, isn't isn't quite on the level usage-wise as R.J. Barrett, but has had, in, in many measures, a much better season. He's been much more efficient from the field, isn't scoring as much, but takes fewer shots and is, you know, making more of them. So he's shooting 43% from three this year, which is an excellent mark, and opponent three-point shooting has been an area of struggle for Indiana in the past. They've, they've tightened it up a little bit this year, and they're really going to need to continue that trend of, of you know, holding opponents to cold nights from behind the line. They're really going to need to continue that into this Duke game, particularly on Cam Reddish to have a chance to win. Right. Reddish is their best three-point shooter, and just it, it's another weapon in Duke's huge arsenal of weapons out there, and they can just create so many different looks to throw at a defense and really just you, you talk so much about the way that how important it is, how Indiana kind of handles screen plays. And I think that's going to be huge in this game just because of the, you know, it, there's a lot of mismatches that Duke would be able to exploit if they run a lot of screen plays with Trey Jones yeah. and Reddish could be the benefactor of a lot of those plays because say you have RJ Barrett at the top, top of the key and Trey Jones comes and sets a pick there. Barrett drives into the lane. Romeo comes in to help out and suddenly Reddish is wide open. Yeah. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, and, and I think in a lot of situations, I'd say, well, you know, you just trap the screen or you know, give a hard hedge and get the ball out of R.J. Barrett's hands or out of Zion Williamson's hands. But Duke just has so many weapons that if you're forcing the ball out of one star's hands, you're just putting it into the hands of another star. And so they just have, like you said, they have so many weapons, guys that can beat you that, you know, I, I am, the ball screen point is a good one because I am very interested to see what they do there because, again, you can't just seed these, these mismatches. You, you can't just allow them open driving lanes, but you also worry about their spot-up shooting. Trey Jones has been really good shooting the three this year as well. So you play right. him he off the ball. He doesn't shoot it as much as, as a guy like Reddish. He's only right. taken 11, but he's made six of them. He, he can shoot it. Jack White can shoot it off yep. the bench. They, they have shooters. Yeah, so you know you, you force the ball out of R.J. Barrett's hands, for instance, and that's either leading to a Zion Williamson roll, a, a Cam Reddish spot-up three or a spot-up three for someone else, or you know maybe a straight-line drive from someone on the perimeter in, in a four-on-three situation. So 
it is a, a quandary for Indiana to say the least. And, and really, I, I don't know how the best way to approach that is. And I think you know, my guess would be that we'll see them do multiple things throughout the game. You know, they'll start out playing. I would guess they'll start out probably hedging the pick and roll, playing their conventional pack line principles. And then depending on how Duke is shooting, depending on how effective I use defense is over the course of the first eight to 10 minutes or so, they might change things up, might go to a more of a, a, a drop look and, and kind of uh, play the pick and roll more conservatively. Maybe they start switching, which is you know something that Archie Miller has hinted at this team may be doing, and I think they have the personnel for it. Maybe this is the, te- the, the time and, and the team um, that when it's right to break out that scheme and just kind of see what you have in that respect, because you know, maybe the best way to stop Duke is to switch. And I know you'd probably be giving up a, you know, a few pounds to Zion Williamson in the post if you switch someone like Romeo Langford onto him. But given the other weapons that Duke has, maybe maybe that's not, you know, the the worst of all evils for Indiana. Right. It's it's everything with, with defending Duke is just such a pick your poison mm-hmm. because the, Duke has so many different ways they can kill you that you're you never may be picking the right choice. It's just you kind of got to hope that whatever you choose doesn't end up killing you in the end, but you may just have to live with with whatever you choose to, to try to allow Duke to do. Yeah. I, let's, let's kind of flip things around and focus on how Duke might match up with Indiana because, I, you know, I do think Indiana is the sort of team where they're going to give even good teams, you know, some something to think about as far as how do you match up with Jawan Morgan and how do you contain Romeo Langford because – as good as Duke is and as offensively talented as their best players are, they're young and and they haven't played many college basketball games and they could be vulnerable on the defensive end, though they have the the skills and the physical tools to be good defenders. I don't think you see it as consistently with young players like that. And given the offensive talent that Indiana has, and they've got some pretty good shooters in their own right, even if they are a little bit inconsistent, that could be a pretty tough matchup for Duke as well. Yeah, the offensive key, I think one of the, many offensive keys I think for Indiana in this game is Morgan's ability to hit the three. Morgan shot the three ball really well against UC Davis and uh, Mark had, Mark Bolden did is not the best guy at closing out on shooters and uh, Morgan if he's able to hit the three consistently against Duke that's that's a big weapon. Yeah and I wonder if Duke will put Zion Williamson on Jawan Morgan. I think I think that's what I would do if I were Mike Krzyzewski just because Justin Smith isn't really going to you know, stretch out behind the three-point line and take you off the dribble and, and kind of beat you from the outside in. He's more of a stand-in-the-short-corner-and-get-drop-off-dunks kind of guy. And, and he can be useful as a cutter and kind of moving around the perimeter. And, and so maybe you know, you could be, you could, you could, he could use his speed and kind of exploit guys in that way. But I'd be more worried about Jawan Morgan if I were Duke, and I think I'd probably put Zion on him because— you don't want Marquise Bolden running running around, closing out, you know, trying to keep up with Juwan off the dribble. I just don't think that's something that he can do. Whereas Zion Williamson, maybe his best defensive attribute is his ability to guard on the perimeter for such a big guy. And we know how Juwan Morgan likes to, you know, kind of put his shoulder into guys on the block. You know, if you do that to Zion Williamson, you're not really going anywhere just because right. he's, he's so um, he's so thick and wide that it's just hard to move him. Um, where you know, so. I think Justin Smith is just a little bit easy, easier cover. And then if Juwan does try to stretch the defense and, and make plays off the dribble, Zion's pretty quick and can slide his feet. The one area where, you know, I think 
as as athletic as as Zion Williamson is, and as as good as his length is, and his his physical attributes and everything, he's not quite as good of a rim protector as his abilities might suggest. So I, I think Indiana, their game plan is probably just going to be to put as much pressure on the basket as possible, because you know you, Marquise Bolden, same kind of thing. He's not like an elite rim protector. He, he's big and he's he's got some size and some athleticism, can block some shots, but. I think if you attack the rim enough, and Romeo Langford is just so good at getting into the lane and getting to the basket, I think that's probably the area where Indiana's going to find success is just getting into the paint like they've been doing all season. Get into the paint, attack the basket, get to the free throw line, and kind of just kind of bludgeon the other team and, and grind out a victory rather than spread the floor and shoot a bunch of threes. Right, that might be the offensive key, just attacking, the, just consistently getting pressure on the inside, and I think that's a big reason why Gonzaga was able to pull out the win the other night against Duke. I think yeah. Rui Hachimura and Brandon Clark were just consistently going in on those big guys, not really showing fear, and that's what that's the biggest thing. I think Duke defensively, they rely on Zion Williamson and you know bold, all their big guys just kind of scaring opponents away yeah. from driving into the lane, and if teams are really able to do that, that you know, teams will be able to get the, to the foul line a little bit. They'll be able, you know, it's not going to work out every time, but you know, the best that Indiana can hope for is for Romeo Langford or Jawan Morgan to replicate what Rui Hachimura did for, for Gonzaga. Yeah, and to that point, I think you know it. You, you mentioned kind of the intimidation factor, how Duke wants to use their athletes to kind of scare guys out of taking shots at the rim. I think Romeo and Jawan are crafty enough and, and kind of fluid and and uh, you know able to improv improvise enough where you know they can get those guys off balance because Zion Williamson he's he wants to sell out for blocks you know he he wants to jump and and swat your shot off the rim or off the backboard and same with RJ Barrett and Zion and, and Cam Reddish when they do protect the rim which is you know that's not their primary function on defense but that's what Zion wants to do he wants to get up he wants to you know swat the ball into the stands. I think Juwan in particular and, and Romeo for a freshman is really good at this too. You know, they're really good at kind of changing speeds, getting into the, the lane and, and keeping defenders and, and particularly shot blockers off balance so that they can create space, not, not necessarily by virtue of any move that they do, but just kind of that unpredictability factor can keep guys on their toes. So that could be something that we see um, Indiana use to their advantage. And the other thing is if you're getting to the free throw line, you're putting the other team in foul trouble. And if, if you can get Zion Williamson to pick up two, three early fouls, get him in foul trouble, keep him on the bench, you know, that's that's a, a potential All-American that's not playing against you, that you're that you're keeping off the court. So that that as much as anything might be Indiana's primary focus is just giving the ball to Juwan Morgan, letting him work inside and just seeing if you can get these guys into foul trouble. Right. And I don't think I think Duke overall has done a pretty good job so far that I mean pretty good job so far this season of not really getting into foul trouble. You look at that Gonzaga game, and I mean, Redis was really the only guy in foul trouble for Duke. Yeah. He, had four, he finished the game with four fouls, but I mean, Williamson only had one foul all game. Jones only had two. Barrett only had one. And while, yes, while driving into the lane can pick up fouls, I think Gonzaga also was able to just make a lot of their shots mm-hmm. going into the lane as opposed to necessarily picking up a lot of fouls. Yeah. One other thing I'm interested in is the, the Trey Jones-Robert Finnessy matchup, just because yep. it's it's two really smart, kind of uh, mature beyond their years freshman point guards who are just really good at orchestrating and running the show and 
again, not high usage guys, not guys who are going to score a ton of points, but have been really, really effective as freshmen and just are kind of doing their jobs. That could be a really fun matchup to watch. Just, you know, two guard, two guards who just really execute and play really smartly. Yeah. It's a real, that, that is one of the more interesting matchups of this game. Those two players are really similar. You, you hit on that just the way they kind of run They kind of make their offenses go and, um, that matchup could very well end up determining this game. If Rob Finnessy is able to outplay Trey Jones and Indiana's offense is just kind of clicking better than Duke's, I mean, that's a big advantage. Yeah, you know, it's almost a moot point to to mention, but I, I will say that having Jerome Hunter could really help Indiana in this game. And yeah. obviously, you know, he we don't we don't know totally what's going on with him, and and of course, you know, him getting healthy is is the most important thing, but. Just having that six, six, eight, six, seven, you know, long body to to match up with some of these Duke wings would have been really, really valuable for Indiana. But that said, I even think Ray's, even Ray Thompson as well. Yeah, yeah, just you know, kind of athletic. I wonder if we see Jake Forrester at any point. Just as recent kind of a, history would suggest, no. I, I think probably not. But I, I'm just trying to I'm trying to just think of guys off the bench who might be effective because you know this could be a game where. McRob- if, if, he, if he plays, McRoberts and Romeo Langford and Juwan Morgan and Justin Smith all have to play 35, 38 minutes. And, you know, Archie Miller, he, he's, he's said before that that's too many. He doesn't want to play his guys that much. And, and they need that depth to kind of, you know, be clicking on all cylinders and keep guys fresh. But, man, against this team, I, I just, if you don't have Romeo and Juwan and Justin out there at the same time as Zion, RJ, and Cam Reddish, I just don't know who matches up with those guys and how you contain them. Yeah, I think Fitzner could be a key in that sense. I'm not sure that this is really a Dem- uh, Demise Anderson type of game. So yeah, you know, maybe maybe you just say, "Hey, like go guard Cam Reddish. Don't let him touch the ball." And because ju- you know he's he's got some tools. He's he's got some some length, some decent athletic. He's not the most athletic guy, but he's he's okay there. Where I think he lacks a little bit is just the the defensive awareness, like getting over screens, knowing where and when to help, um, and just kind of being in the right place on defense. He's kind of struggled with this year, and part of that's just him being a freshman. Um, but maybe if you just go out there and say, hey, don't let this guy touch the ball, just stay in front of him and just kind of simplify that assignment, maybe he could be effective on defense. But again, it's just, you know, you, you don't want to have to put your faith in Demise Anderson to be a lockdown defender as well as he's played this year, you know, you, you still don't really want that to be like, you know, your, your second or third option. You, you'd like to have some better alternatives there. Right. And that's just another reason on the growing list of reasons why it's really imperative that Zach McRoberts is available. Yeah. And, and another kind of point in, in this realm is that Duke is a top 50 team when it comes to getting to the line, top 50 in, in the nation. They're not a great free throw shooting team, but if Indiana doesn't get also another key for for side note, another key defensively could be Devonte Green if he's able to play. Yeah, I was, I was saying that yet. too. Yeah, but but especially if it with with the way Duke is able to get to the line, Indiana needs to be careful not to get into foul trouble. Yeah, I, I think if if Jawan Morgan, I mean if if he repeats what he what he did against Arkansas, just picking up those two quick fouls. The, you know, Indiana might be sunk. And, you know, I, I think in that scenario, Archie Miller would probably put him back in in the first half. He, he said after that game that he he kept wanting to put Juwan in, but he felt like the score was close enough that he could afford to keep him on the bench. 
Um, I, I think if the game gets out of hand, Archie would just go with his best guys and say, if we foul out, we foul out, but we've, we've got to stay in the game. But, you know, that said, you, you don't want to be in that situation. You don't want to be in a place where you're playing tentatively and you've got to re- keep guys out of the game to prevent them from picking up fouls. Uh, you'd like to see your guys, you know, be able to kind of play hard and play free. And early foul trouble can just really put a damper on a team's aggressiveness and their confidence because they just feel like they, you know, they're always in danger of of be having to be yanked out of the game and, and not being able to to play at full strength. So, yeah, that, that's a good point. And Zion Williamson, as, as big as he is, that guy just just barrels into the lane and attacks the basket and almost forces you to foul him. You know, he's either going to dunk it lay it up or get fouled. He kind of just, you know, puts that choice on the defender. So that's going to be tough. And then I I think it probably goes without saying that Indiana's got to limit the role players, you know, Um, the the guys who, who come off the bench, the the spot up shooters, you know, the, the kind of lesser, the Alex O'Connell's of the world. You've got to keep those guys under wraps because you know that, you know, Zion's going to get his one of RJ or Cam Reddish is going to get his, if not both of them, and so you just maybe have to hope that that Trey Jones and, and Duke's other role players aren't able to really get going. Right, Trey Jones, Jack White, Alex O'Connell, just those shooters, are that could kill Indiana. If, the, if those guys get going, I mean, I don't know that Indiana really has a chance. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And especially in that environment, I think that's another thing yeah. that's worth noting is they're playing in Cameron Indoor Stadium and... As much as Indiana's used to playing in a loud environment, it is a different thing when that noise is being directed at you rather than at your opponent. And that's that Cameron is, is maybe the toughest place to play in college basketball. Um, Assembly Hall is definitely up there as well. But man, I mean, th- I, I think that, that environment, you know, I tend to think that stuff like that can be overrated sometimes just as far as swinging the outcome of an entire game. But there's definitely an effect, and you know Indiana's a, a mentally tough team. They're they're a poised team, a confident team. But even for the best teams, I mean, there, there's a reason that home court advantage matters. And so, especially if Indiana gets down early or maybe gets in some early foul trouble, and and that crowd is really able to get into it, and you just feel like your your back's against the wall the whole time. That's a completely different circumstance to play in than if you you know get up early and you feel like you're in the game the whole time. Right, and there's the stat that we mentioned on on our uh, preseason episode where Duke has only lost six home games over the last five years, all ACC games. So yeah. no non-conference home losses in the last five years. It's it's really a tough place to go play, tough place to go win. Very few teams go and win in Cameron Indoor. Yeah. What What is this? Let's say, let's win or lose. What is this? game mean for Indiana? We'll start with if they win. Does that dramatically alter your perception of, of this Indiana team? No. And I, and I think that might be a, a big motivating motivator point for Archie Miller. Just the fact, I don't think Indiana really has much to lose okay. from this game. I think, you know, obviously getting blown out at Kent, if they got, let's say they get blown out at, at, in Durham, you know, that's obviously not a good look and they'll have to rebound from that. But you can also look and say they're the they're the top team in the country, yep. and like they're they're the number one team in the country, even after losing to Gonzaga, who is also one of the top teams in the country. Yeah. Like they're like like losing. There's no shame in losing to a team like this in an environment like that. And so I think, you know, people aren't really gonna say, oh, Indiana 
is done. It, like yeah. it's a non it's a, look it's a big opportunity in a non conference game, but if they lose the, if they lose this game, it doesn't really hurt them in their resume. It's just kind of a missed opportunity to gain something. It's sure. not like a it's not like something that's a knock on their resume. But then uh, on the other other side, they have a whole lot to gain from that if if they are able to find a way to win. Yeah, I think as much as much as anything, a win would just kind of you know it would it would obviously be a, an indicator that. You know, to the outside, the the public, the fans, that Indiana's good. But I think Indiana's, they're a confident bunch. But I still think that getting a win against a, a really elite team like that, that that has some internal boost. You know, that, 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 can really, that can really bolster a team. Even one as confident as Indiana appears to be, that can, that can provide some validation. That, that really, if you beat a great team on the road, that's kind of an indicator to yourself as much as anyone that, Hey, we're really good. We, we can be, this is how good we can be. And then just kind of a, a measuring stick to, to keep judging yourself by the entire season and kind of the standard that, that you set. And I think it's important to set those standards early in the season and, and just kind of have something to play up to the rest of the year. But I'm with you a loss to me, unless it's just an, an ugly, bad, one-sided sloppy game. I, I don't. I wouldn't really take too much from a loss from Indiana. Obviously, it's going to be disappointing for fans if it happens. But as far as material um, takeaways from it, I, I don't know that there would be much to glean there. I think it's probably more. You look at the process. You look at the execution. You kind of just just judge individual things for what they were, rather than the entire picture of the game. Yeah, I com- I completely agree, and it's just. It, they, I, I really think Duke is the team with something to lose in this game. Not, yeah. as, not as much Indiana. It would unequivocally be the, the best win of Archie Miller's yeah. tenure so far at IU. And you know, even for Duke, I mean, if they if Duke was to lose this game, I don't know that this would necessarily be a bad loss for Duke. Yeah. But I mean, it's. I, I don't. I think Duke has more to lose than Indiana does. I think so too, and that's part of the downside, maybe, of playing on the on, at home. Is you know you get that home court advantage, but you also have this pressure on you where if you lose to a team that's ranked lower than you and that you're supposed to beat at home in that environment, then you know that that might be a signal that you know you, you've got some things to fix and some stuff to tighten up, um, rather than a team that loses on the road in a tough environment can kind of chalk that up to you know external factors, maybe. So, yeah, no, I, I'm with you. And I, I also think that Indiana is going to be good enough by the end of the year that win or lose, Duke, you know, this is either going to be a quality win for them or it's going to be a loss to a really good team. Because I, I do think Indiana will end up being one of the 15 or so best teams in the, in the nation. And, you know, a loss to a top 15 team is nothing to, to be ashamed of. And certainly getting a win over a top 15 is something to feel proud about. Definitely. Um it's it's uh, that's that's exactly what I've been saying. It's yeah. a chance to add something to your resume, and it's not the type of thing that's gonna like it, losing this one game will not keep like if they lose this one game, that's not gonna be the the thing that keeps them out of the NCAA tournament. No, no. Last question for you: Could Duke beat the Cavs? <laughs> um, I'll say this: I think. I think the whole could the best college team beat the best pro team. I think it's more realistic in basketball than any other sport. Just okay. with the way it's kind of just with the way individuals can take over a game. 
Yeah. That being said, I I uh, I hate these. I hate these. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I agree with you, and my answer is no. I think it's I think it's a silly question, especially in light of the fact that Duke recently lost to Gonzaga, and I don't think anyone would say Gonzaga could beat the Cavs. I you know that that it's it's that's a whole different can of worms. But the the one thing I will say is if there is one team for whom the answer to this question might be yes, it's probably that 2015 Kentucky team. They didn't win the title, but they had Carl Towns, Willie Cauley Stein, uh, Devin Booker, Trey Lyles. Like they had like legitimate NBA players all on the same team. I still don't think that team would would have beaten an NBA team. It is at least not this this year's Cavs or this year's Hawks or whoever you want to decide. Uh, but they they could give them a run for their money. Like I will say that much. Uh, you know. There are certain college teams that maybe a handful in the course of the entire history of basketball, but there are a select few out there that I I do think could give a terrible NBA team a run for their money. Yeah. So this Duke team is not one of them, though. <laughs> so so I have one more point I do want to make about this game. And yeah, I'll go ask for you, it. I'll, I'll, I'll ask you a question. Um, I think a key that we haven't really touched on yet for Indiana is is rebounding. I, yeah. Duke is one of the best rebounding teams in the country. They're third in the country in total rebounds per game. And I think it, but on the other side, Indiana has the best field, the top field goal percentage in the country at 55% as a team. They're third in the country in effective field goal percentage. And that could really be a key if, you know, it's tough to say if Indiana has been playing at home every game except for the Arkansas game. And this is going to be the toughest place they've played so far. They did shoot still pretty well in Arkansas. But if they're able to hit shots at a high level like they've been this season, that might be a key defensively, honestly, because a lot of what Duke creates offensively comes off defensive rebounds. And if the Indiana's making these shots, they're not allowing Duke to get out in transition. That's a great point. And, and you know, rebounding and field goal percentage are, also, are, are often, you know, kind of uh, intertwined because... The more shots you miss, the more rebound opportunities they're going to be. The more shots you make, the fewer opportunity re- rebound opportunities they're going to be. I actually remember talking to to Paul Millsap a few years ago about this. I asked him about the rebound differential because they'd been badly out rebounded, and I was like, "What do you guys have to do to to you know fix that?" And he just looks at me and he goes, "Make shots." And at the time, I didn't really understand like why he would give that answer. I thought he was just being you know terse, but it, it, it's a good point because you know the the best way to keep your opponents off the glass, keep them from getting rebounds, is to make shots. Because the more shots you make, the fewer defensive rebounds they're able to get. Yeah, I agree. So give me what you give me what you think would be Indiana's most important uh, like conceptual like concept key to this game. And then give me one player IU player who you think is the biggest key to this game. Hmm. For the player, I'll say Jawan or uh, Romeo Langford. You could really pick either of Juwan or Romeo, but I'll say Romeo because he, I think, as much as any Indiana player, just has this undeniable ability to get buckets, and he's done it against some bad teams. He's done it against some pretty good teams, but he hasn't done it against a great team yet, and that's because he hasn't had the opportunity. And so this is really his first chance to prove himself as a as a you know bona fide immutable scorer against a great team. And also, you know, I think it's it's worth noting that Romeo Langford is there are gonna be a lot of scouts at this game. Uh, there are gonna be a lot of people watching this game. 
And I don't think that's lost on Romeo Langford or Zion Williamson or RJ Barrett or Cam Reddish or, or even Jawan Morgan for that matter. So I do think that there, that, that could factor in. And I think this is a, a good proving ground for all those players who are kind of gunning to be lottery picks in, in the upcoming draft. I think that's something that has to be taken into consideration. Um, but as far as it pertains to Indiana, I just, I think for them to be at their best, for them to win at the highest levels, they're going to need someone who can just score at any moment, just get a bucket. And to me, Romeo Langford is the best candidate to be that guy. And so for that, for that reason, I think, you know, it would be, it would be a really encouraging sign if he's just able to manufacture some offense when Indiana's offense, if, and when it bogs down and, and you just have him kind of create something out of nothing. If he proves that he's able to do that, that would be really encouraging for Indiana. And then as far as the the conceptual, I, I think the three-point shooting, the opponent three-point shooting is going to be maybe the biggest indicator because Duke has guys that can let it fly. Um, they have guys that can get to the basket, but you know, I, I think three-point shooting as as much as ever is just a good barometer of overall team defense. You know, If you're not allowing opponents to take a lot of threes and you're making their looks difficult, I think that generally bodes well for defensive success. And if you're able to, you know, hold your team to a below average mark in three point attempts and in three point percentage in a given game, I think you, you generally have a pretty good chance of winning that game. So I guess I'd say that, but you know, we, like we touched on at the top, this Duke team just presents so many matchup problems and so many uh, strategic quandaries that even if you do so many things right, even if you do 75% of your game plan, you execute it to a T, they can still beat you just because they're that talented. Yeah, good points. Uh, my conceptual key, I think, in, in short, is just don't play scared. Yeah. I think don't like don't let the environment get in, the, in your head if you're in Indiana. Don't, and, on the, and specifically in game, don't be afraid of Duke's size. Don't. Yeah. Gonzaga showed, as we said, Gonzaga kind of showed that the key, maybe the flaw in this team is just if a team is not scared of driving in, then Duke might be a little more susceptible than people think. And I think Indiana just needs to not play scared, not be afraid of going in on guys that might be a little bigger. Yeah. And my player, who I think is going to be key, I'm, I'm going to go a little outside, a little outside the norm, just. Because you know, obviously, Juwan Morgan's key, obviously sure, Romeo Langford's sure. key, but I think the, to win this game, to have any chance of winning this game, Indiana's supporting cast is going to need to step up much more so than they did in the last week. And so, I'll pick a player kind of from that group, and I'm going to pick Evan Fitzner okay. because of the because of the way he lit it up against Marquette. He was one of the Indiana's like best shooters, one of Indiana's best players, really, against Marquette offensively. And if he's able to have that type of a game on the road at Duke, that's huge. The concern I have about Fitzner, I think that's a good point because he's maybe Indiana's best floor spacer at this moment. But the, the concern I have about him is we saw this in the, the Arkansas game where he just wasn't really able to, to get into the flow of the game and, and really make an imprint because that was such an athletic game and he's just not really an athletic guy. And that's fine. That's not his game. Um, but I do think that this Duke game is going to be a really athletic game. Like if, if you are not quick enough to defend, you know, your guy and stay in front of the ball and, and hang with the athletes like Zion Williamson and RJ Barrett and Cameron Reddish, like if, if you're not a good athlete, I, I don't know that you're going to be able to hang in this game. So 
you know, Fitz, that'll be the big question for him because he could either play five minutes and not really be effective, or he could play 20 minutes and, and be a crucial piece as a shot maker. And if he can, if he can just manage on defense, he doesn't have to be great, but if he can just kind of tread water and, and survive on that end of the floor, I think that helps Indiana tremendously. And to kind of tie in your point uh, to what we started the podcast with, um, as far as not playing scared, I think that's where it kind of loops back to Justin Smith because we talked about his importance as a defender um, and, you know, being able to play with physicality. All right. Well, you got anything else? That's all I got. That's all we got for this episode of the matchup. Indiana takes on Duke on Tuesday night, the biggest game to date of the season. I think one that will, I'm really hoping it's a good game. I, the, the last thing I want is a blowout in either direction. I, I just want to see, you know, a competitive game where we get the best of both teams. I agree. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, I'm. I'm, and you'll be at the game, right? Yes, I will. You will uh, I was not able to uh, to secure a place in Cameron, but I will be watching from Bloomington, um, taking diligent notes, tweeting occasionally. So keep up with both of us um, on on those platforms. Seth will have uh, a notebook posted to InsideTheHall.com after the game. Stay posted on all of that. Stay posted for uh, every episode of Podcast on the Brink. Following this, every episode of the matchup, we will be back for most big games, most kind of marquee matchups over the course of the season. And until then, we'll talk to you later. If you want to support Podcast on the Brink, here is the single best way to do it. Tell anyone you know who loves IU Hoops about us and suggest that they subscribe. Podcast on the Brink can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are available. Tell your social media followers, email your friends, text your family members. For weekly discussion about IU basketball, they need to be subscribed to Podcast on the Brink. We'll talk to you next time. Go Hoosiers! Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.